Hello and welcome to the 92nd episode of Indie Radio, a weekly podcast in which we chat with the creative minds involved with the creation of indie games. I'm Brett Hudson. And I'm Ian Jones. Today, we spoke with Mark Alexander, also known online as Nocturne, about patience in game communities, the Yo-Yo House, game jams, interesting non-game projects created in Game Maker, photography, a ZX Spectrum-inspired game he's creating, the technology singularity, and of course, the Game Maker community. My name is Mark Alexander. I work at Yo-Yo Games at the moment. Um, I do the documentation for Game Maker. And on the side, I make my own little games when I can be bothered um, or have time. So, yeah, currently working on a, a platform. Actually, it's a whole, sort of wholesome game I'm working on at the moment because there's no, you can't kill anything in it. It's all just platforming fun about avoiding stuff. There's also one other thing that you should add on to that list is that you are also a moderator over at the G, or not, not a moderator, an admin over at the yes. GMC. I am, yes. I have been that for, for, what, about eight years now? Eight years? Probably since I started working at Yo-Yo Games, which is a long time now. But, um, yeah, I love it, to be honest with you. Um, It's, uh, the the, the GMC is, like, my baby. Um, I I, I feel, I mean, being admin, there's a lot of responsibility, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel very responsible for how things go there and how people do and making sure it's, it's a good place. Um, it's had its reputation ups and downs over the last 10 years or so that it's existed. Um, I mean, it was it had a, a really poor reputation um, when I first started at Yo-Yo Games um, because it was just... <laughs> It was well. It was well run. I mean, the, the administration team that were there and the, the mods that were there did a fairly good job, but it wasn't as friendly as it is now. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think over the the years that we've tried to create a more open atmosphere where people can come, and it doesn't matter whether you're an absolute noob or whether you're experienced, and you've got you've got a place there. Um, and I, I really like the place. I've had a lot of love for the old GMC. Yeah, I think that was one of my favorite things about joining the GMC when I was first getting started with Game Maker way back in, gosh, two, 2008. Um, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Was just, yeah, being able to jump in and like ask questions. I, I mean, there's, there's tons of people asking very simple questions that. If they yeah. knew how to search, they would probably find the answer to. Um, but we we were all there at one point. No shame in that. <laughs> uh, read read the read the manual. No, um, mm-hmm. there's questions like that. But I mean, hey, it's that's just the the way things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you get a shiny new toy, you don't read the manual. You you just want to get stuck straight in and start making things. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. Uh, I've got. I try to have a lot of patience with people. Um, hmm. I think that was part of the problem with the the, the the older iterations of the the forum, was that people didn't have quite have the same patience with new people. Um, hmm. It was all there was a, a sort of not elitist, but there was a, a hardcore group of users who knew an awful lot um, and didn't quite have the same patience that some of the new 
experienced users have nowadays. Uh, so, but you have to have patience with these people. And also you don't know, uh, one of the things I, I try and hammer home to people is that you, you don't know what kind of experience the, the person on the other end of the internet has. You don't know whether they've got learning difficulties, you don't know whether they've got language difficulties, you don't know whether they've got um, some psychological issue. Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes crop up that seem absolutely absurd or so obvious. And then, you, you know, you, you still have to take them at face value and say, well, listen, if, if they're asking, because they don't know. Yeah. Not because they're stupid. Not because they're, 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 they're ignorant or they're not they're lazy. You don't know what the reason is they're asking. So you might as well just do your best to help them. And, and that's the kind of attitude I, I, I try to promote on the, on the forums these days. Yeah, I've so I've done tutoring for uh, some time now. I haven't in quite a while just because I've had a full-time job. But that, that was something that I kind of, I, I wouldn't say quite in the same vein, but similar, is um, like I, I feel with tutoring, you, you kind of have to figure out what the mental block is with the student. Like why yeah. why are they having a difficulty with this? What what misconception do they have? Are they are they stuck in a certain line of thinking? And trying to get past that really is the way, obviously, to to learn. I, I say obviously because it I, I guess it sounds really obvious, but it's it's something that you might not realize at first, and it's very much like putting yourself in that mind space and trying to figure out. Just where it's coming from, what, what mm -hmm. they're up to. I mean, you'll get your, you'll have people who are who are just genuinely lazy, and just want the the make me an uh, an RPG button. Mm -hmm. um, and but you know you, you reply to their topics a couple of times, and you, you know when they're making an effort and when they're not. And if they're not, you just don't reply. They'll <laughs> either back a bit more with a bit more humility, or they'll go away and you'll never see them again. Yep. So, but you have to give everyone the, the benefit of the doubt, as far as I'm concerned, uh, especially on the internet. You, you just don't know who you're dealing with, what you're talking about. So you might as well be nice about it to start with. <laughs> you can always get nastier as you go along. You know, <laughs> um, if you start off nasty, then you know you've lost someone completely. See, so you, you, you're better off being nice. Yeah. You know, it's a, one of the, the phrases I use in the forums a lot is, "It's nice to be nice." It doesn't cost anything. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say that that's that is contextually or context is relevant for that that statement. Whether it's yeah. a forum such as the GMC where people are there to learn or to create, versus potentially oh. other sites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there are there are places where you have to be a bit tougher, let's say, uh, when when you're dealing with people, mm -hmm. but. Uh, yeah, as like I say, as as the forum admin, I my my subtitle in the forum admin is the the friendly ty tyrant, um, and <laughs> I, I do try and run things fairly strictly, but mm -hmm. as well as friendly as possible. I mean, there are, there are members in the forum which who have been there for years, and have banned them a number of times um, because their their behaviour has just been terrible, um, and they keep coming back. And over the course of time, I think I've ground them down. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and they started behaving themselves and they've actually turned into good members of the community. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the mix of having, you know, a bit of a, having to slap someone every now and again and at the same time being nice about it, um, 
I think that's important. You know, you let people know that you're you're doing this for a reason, but mm -hmm. you know, it's personal. It's just if you're going to break the rules, this is what's going to happen. Um, but uh, you know, you're not happy about having to do this to them. You don't want to do this to <laughs> them. But speaking of not wanting to do something to someone, I'm. I'm going to call Ian out and say that he was almost late to this call. It's 2 p.m. there. How could I, how dare we ask you to wake up so early? Yeah, I, uh, I woke up hours ago to like feed my pets and stuff because no one else is here. But uh, then I passed out again. So oh. that's, uh, that's a problem. <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah, there's those afternoon naps. They'll get you. Oh God, yes. Um, I live in Spain, so uh, the afternoon nap is obligatory. Uh. The siestas? Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but without mine. Kind of wish we had those there uh, here, but yeah. <laughs> you kind of wish we had those there. <laughs> still, still waking up a bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, apparently, from yours. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. When I I have to head over to Scotland a couple of times a year normally to, to touch base with YoYo uh, -Yo Games. Um, and obviously there, there's no afternoon nap, so I'm there eight hours, and after lunch, I'm just having a lie down for half an hour, as you work an hour, and I just, uh, just can't do it. I sit there and just stare at this computer screen for an hour after lunch, just thinking, I just want to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I could go back to working without my afternoon nap. It's, it's proven that trying to get people to work for like eight hours straight is less productive than letting them have like more separate things it, you can't do a contiguous eight hour block and remain productive it doesn't no. work so no what you do i've been reading an article a short while back that in japan they've actually started letting people in some of the the game companies um sleep under their desks for half an hour after lunch mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know if it's literally under the desks or not but um yeah, they, they started doing that because they realized that people are more productive that way. I mean, once you had lunch, your, your digestive system's going on, your blood's gone to your stomach. You, you don't want to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the siesta is, was definitely one of the, the better inventions to come out of Spain. <laughs> <laughs> so what you should do is you should ask Yuya Games and just write it off as a business expense, right? <laughs> Be like I, we need the nocturne room. I, I don't know if they would go for that, especially well right now. I mean, I haven't actually been over there this year because of the, the COVID situation. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, every time I'm over, it does come up um, because people do notice that my head's sort of lolling around after lunch. It's like you miss your afternoon nap. And it's like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it does come up in the office, but it's uh, it never goes anywhere. Uh, I can't see it happening. Yeah, because, I mean, if they implement it for you, then other people are going to want to take a nap, and everybody's going to be taking naps. That's the thing. Uh, so, but, uh, yeah, well, you know, we can keep asking every time I go over. <laughs> Eventually there will be a yo-yo hotel. <laughs> when you diversify, that's it. That's the name of the game. Wouldn't that be a yo-tel or a yo-yo-tel? <laughs> <laughs> Well, there used to be the Yo-Yo house. Yes, uh, I just found out about that yesterday. All right. <laughs> I I was playing Among Us with Alice and James, 
Oh, uh, and she brought up the the yo-yo house. Uh, it was it was you, Allison. Who else? Dan and Daryl. Okay. And there was a few other people came and went. I mean, I would, Dan and Ali were the the ones that were there the longest. I was there for what about three months, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was a few other people came and went um, in that time. A guy from Poland who was staying with us as well, and some American guy came and stayed with us as well. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a fun place, a uh, big old Victorian house. Um, we were on the on the bottom floor, being split up into sort of like um, apartments. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was cool. It was massive. It had its own pool room. Um, a snooker room, a snooker table, full size snooker table in it. Wow. Yeah. That sounds amazing. It, it was good. It was good. It was good fun playing games with them and having a drink on a, on a Friday night after work was the highlight of the week. Absolutely. Ian and I have aspirations to potentially start something like that someday. Uh, a little indie house of sorts with a bunch of cool. game devs and hearing that there was a yo-yo house. It's just like yes, <laughs> another another successful iteration of this idea. Well, I mean, it was good because like um, the the game maker forums have their uh, their jam every three months, and mm-hmm. where we were there, that that was when it sort of started, um, and we'd participate in that. All we'd spend all weekend just in in the lounge with the computers or laptops, um, and just work on stuff together for for the the jam games. Um, so that was quite interesting. It was good fun. There's not a GMC jam going on right now. No, I think the next one is October end of this month okay so uh there's one coming up and then i think the one after that is the 10 year anniversary <gasps> oh my goodness yeah. i re- i remember participating in the the third i think maybe i, yeah, I don't remember and i think we're up to, i think it'll be what 40 or something we're up to now 30s 38 39 something like that high 30s anyway um, so yeah, I was a bit surprised when, when Dan told me that the, the 10 year anniversary was coming up. I was like, no, can't be, can't be that long. Nothing going on that long, has it? It's, it's, it's good fun. Not many people enter it. We're hoping we'll get a lot more for the anniversary one, try and get mm-hmm. some of the old members that, that aren't really participating in the forum anymore to come back just for that. Absolutely. Uh, we'll I'm going to need to keep my eyes out for that. Cause yeah, uh, the GMC jam started, uh, just. I, I think the same year that we started this podcast, just DMC right. uh, Jam is older. I used to participate in it every time religiously, but the last three or four years, I've just not not had the the same interest in it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I like the idea, but it's just I always sit down and start working on something, and then uh, I think I'm just getting too old for these things. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, you, you need to work your, the, the entire block of the weekend. You need to put it aside and say, right, this weekend I'm doing that. Uh, and I just can't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I need my sleep and I, I need my, my rest and I need to be able to go out and do stuff and just mundane things, uh, shopping, you know, stuff like that. So uh, I end up just not participating anymore. I might make an effort for the, the anniversary one, but we'll see. No mm-hmm. promises on that one. You might need to team up with some folks. Well, that's the other thing. I don't work well with teams. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I like to do it all myself. Um, I did work. I did do a team up with Ali 
um, Alison James uh, mm -hmm. once um, when I did the, the graphics and she did all the, the programming side of things. And it worked out okay. Yeah, it was a mm -hmm. really decent little game, but um, I, I preferred to just work on everything myself, to be honest with you. Uh, gotcha. Not, not one for a collaborating. Too much pressure, too much responsibility when you have to work <laughs> with people. Yep, that, that is a trade-off. Twice as much gets done, but you gotta you gotta manage all of that. Well, it's just just I like to be able to just say, bah, don't feel like it today. Let's let's binge something on Netflix. Um, <laughs> a team on anything, not just jam games, but on anything. Then there's you've got to be a bit more responsible, and you can't just take that time off and just go hell with it today. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah, this weekend there's there's two jams going on. Uh, well, while we're recording this, when this comes out, they will be over. But there's there's Ludum Dare, uh, right. with the theme "Stuck in a Loop," which okay. actually has me, you know, kind of kind of curious. I go, oh, this is this is a pretty decent theme. Um, yeah. There's there's a lot of different things you can do with "Stuck in a Loop," depending on how you want to take that. And then the other one that I saw going on this weekend is uh, I really wish it wasn't going on the same weekend because uh, I feel that it, uh, there would be a lot more participants if it wasn't, uh, right. you know, had it had. But it's uh, the Wholesome Games Jam, uh, which oh, is about right. making wholesome games. So hopefully we'll see some stuff come out of that as well. Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. I didn't even know there was a, a wholesome game genre last, until um, a couple of weeks ago. Again, video on YouTube was talking mm -hmm. about uh, wholesome games. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Um, it's nice that, that people are trying to make games that get away from this whole, like, at least you're going to kill things or things are going to kill you mechanic. Uh -huh. uh, so, yeah, good luck to them. I hope we get some good games out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um... It'll be exciting, you know, seeing games go in that direction because uh, even like with games that are, you know, kill a thing or be killed, et cetera, et cetera, the underlying mechanics for a lot of those can be reworked. Going from those days, a lot of people use Game Maker, you know, and made games and eventually graduated, uh, so to say, into you know, going into the industry or working in web or software or making games with their own engines or, or jumping over to Flash because that was still an option. But now since GameMaker has expanded so much uh, in its, its tooling, in the platforms you can choose to export to, like there are so many more options and possibilities within the software now that you're probably seeing a, a lot fewer people jumping off and moving on to something else and just instead staying with it. I probably bring him up all the time on this show, but like uh, Bonov, you know, Greg, he's always making just incredible work uh, with yeah. Game Maker. Well, I mean, it's as an engine, um, it's it's the same the same story. It's really easy to, to get used to and start working with it and, and creating mm -hmm. things. Um, and it's the sort of thing that once you have uh, an established sort of routine of work using it, um, then you can start. You can you can do stuff really quickly and mm -hmm. quite. Um, it's very powerful once you get into the, the, the nitty gritty of how it works. 
Um, I mean, we do see uh, there's a lot of games that are published that use Game Maker that don't actually announce they're using Game Maker. Um, you'd be surprised how many popular games have actually been done with the engine. Uh, but I mean, people, it depends what you want. Um, if you're doing, I mean, 2D, there's, I, personally, I don't think there's anything better uh, out there at the moment for making 2D games. Mm-hmm. You want to do something else 3D? Well, 3D can be done in Game Maker, but it's not the most obvious choice for, for making a 3D game, although people do it. <laughs> Um, there's a, a really nice retro sort of Doom style 3D shooter coming out soon, which I can't remember what it's called now. Um, Ooh, it, um, it, it's absolutely really, really gorgeous to look at, um, but I can't remember the name of it. It'll come Please send me the link if you if you find it again. Yeah, I will. I will. I mean, it's, it's I follow the guy on Twitter as well. Uh, no, I can't remember. I'll, it'll come to me. I'll send you. I'll ping you a link about it. Um, Perfect. But it's a 2D can be done with Game Maker. Um, but primarily, it's a 2D engine, and it's just it's just so easy to use. Um, and the newer features that are getting added are just making things. The the, the learning curve is now slightly steeper than it used to be. Um, mm-hmm. But the offset is the engine's now more powerful than it used to be. So, um, and it's a bit more friendly for teamwork as well. Whereas before, it was marketed more as just uh, something for just one person that can do everything in it. Um, you can still do that. Uh, I mean, I make all my stuff just on my own with with the engine. And there's lots of solo devs out there that use it. But there's now elements that have been added to it for, for team stuff. Um, to make things like level design easier, so that you an artist or a level designer who doesn't program, uh, you know, they can they can still jump in and actually use it and create levels within it, without actually you having to program anything. So uh, I mean, it's developing. It's really interesting where it's going at the moment. Earlier, with the mention of 3D and Game Maker, I was curious if you'd seen any of the progress that's been happening on the Super Mario 64 in Game Maker. Uh, by by Zach Benack, right? Yeah, yeah, I have. I've been I've been following that. That's really interesting. Um, it's it just again. It's with Game Maker. It's very low level programming. You need to really understand um, how three D works on a mathematical level. Um, mm-hmm. Perfectly doable, and that, that's the kind of thing that, that shows that it can be done. You just need to have the effort and put in the effort and have the know how to, to do it. But yeah, it's impressive to see them do that. But then I always think with, with things like this, it's, it's, it's really nice watching people make versions and clones of other games. But with the, the, the what they've done, I, I kind of think, why don't they make their own game? Use this engine, <laughs> something original with it, you know. Um, <laughs> making this this Mario clone that they can't publish and we'll probably get an NDA thrown at them the moment it gets any great <laughs> popularity. <behind it. laughs> so uh, I take down notice thrown at it, sorry. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's great seeing him working on it and, and seeing the progress he's making and some of the funny bugs he's, he's found and stuff. Uh, but it doesn't. It just. It does, I do feel slightly frustrated and think, you know, make it make something original using this engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely hope it's at least um, open sourced or something along those lines. So, like, I'd I'd love to personally be able to like take a look at how he's accomplishing some of the different things he's done. I understand those frustrations. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 
sorry, I'd like to see the, the quote myself behind it. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to see how he's done a lot of the things. Um, in particular, the, the collisions and stuff like that, which in, in Game Maker and 3D, that's just, um, I mean, that, that to me is just like black magic. Uh, so it would be interesting to look at. Yeah, he said something on Twitter the other day. I don't, I don't recall if it was about source code particularly, but he did say in order to run it, which I'm guessing would be to plug into the source code, is that you do need a ROM of the game, whatever, for it to pull like all the data from. And he, he said, you know, a legally obtained ROM. It sounds like a way for him to get around, uh, like, Enough. having Nintendo come after him because he's right. simply just creating code that reads in the ROM data and then renders stuff to the screen uh, rather right. than actually distributing the art assets, the music assets, and okay. you know, Everything. That's interesting. I, I wasn't aware that that's how he was working. That that's really interesting because he'd have had to write all that as well, which would be really interesting to to see. Ian just posted a, a link in our chat oh. saying, "Good Ian news! Now, one hundred percent of textures, models, assets, etc., are being patched in at runtime by self-provided ROMs. That means two things: this project is very likely to be able to be open sourced, and in theory." Existing ROM hacks could have their levels imported. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. Um, that is very cool, especially with ROM hacks. Like that, it, that makes so much sense. Because, oh my goodness, I'm really excited for this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Uh, I'm really. That's really interesting. Uh, I shall be waiting for for the open source to have a look at that. Uh, really curious how he's getting the, the, the data from the ROMs. That'll be really interesting. Mm. Uh, above my, my level, that's for sure. Learn something from it. Yeah. Definitely uh, never would have imagined that uh, when I started using GameMaker, like, like Brad, I started with GameMaker 7, and I never would have thought <laughs> that this would be happening, you know, however many years later. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, especially since way back in the day, Banak was just like in the chat with us at times, like on Game Jolt, just like hanging out and us just throwing around prototypes at each other. And now he's doing this. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. So I, I'm curious if, because I, I have a feeling that this, this is partially for fun, but also to learn. And I'm Curious if he's mostly trying to learn, uh, you know, like reverse engineer how Mario did all these physics, or since he's taking this unique approach with loading in a ROM, if he's hoping to create some sort of ROM library or hmm. be able to read ROMs inside GameMaker. Yeah, some um, type of engine that lets you load in ROMs to, to work on them. No idea. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But it's 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 exciting. It's an exciting project. I mean, mm -hmm. this is one of the things that I've always loved watching um, is how people push the limits of Game Maker and do things mm -hmm. that people say, that can't be done, or never even considered it could be done. I mean, there was like I remember in what six or seven years ago there was sort of a, a fad for creating operating systems in Game Maker. <laughs> um, 
And that's like, why? Why? Why would you do it? But there was there was dozens of them being posted on the forums. People really, yeah. You know, it was it was a real sort of fad where people were just making OSs in Game Maker. Um, and nowadays, it could actually probably be done a hell of a lot easier. Nobody's doing it. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I mean, why would you want to? Um, but there was there was a, a time when that was being done, and that was interesting as well because again, it was, it was something the product wasn't meant to be doing, um, and yet people were doing it, and some of them were actually pretty good. You could, you know, they were, they were workable, they were usable, they were pretty. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's like you know, cool. Push the push the product to the to its limits. Let's see what else you can do. Wow, OSs. I, I think that was during my university days, so that's probably why I never saw any of it. Um, I was pretty checked out of the world, just focused on studies. The, 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 the Game Maker 8, 8.1 time thereabouts. Uh, huh. So, but yeah, that, that, that was a thing. Um, uh, so, I mean, people still use it to make apps. Um, there's a few Android apps on, on the App Store, on, on Google Play, sorry. For things like you know sound synthesizers and and odd things, um, file managers and stuff like that, that be made with Game Maker. Wow. Um, yeah, you wouldn't you would know it to get when you get the app off the off of Google Play, but uh, yeah, they have been. Uh, so I mean, people do use it for all the strangest things. Yeah, I would have I would have never guessed. Yeah, because it, it's it's Game Maker, so just by default, my brain goes, yeah, you only make games with it. <laughs> yep. Uh, but no, no, people make all sorts of strange things with it. Um, I remember uh, there was another one was a, a guy that used it to create a whole um, chemistry lesson structure thing where you could combine molecules and atoms and stuff and create chemical formulas with it, which he was using in his university classes. Wow. Um, which was uh, another sort of interesting use for it, a sort of educational tool. Uh, it wasn't a game or anything, it was just this this whole periodic table that you could then go in and combine stuff. Um, so, I mean, it's, 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 it's a lot more versatile than it would appear by its name, I suppose. Besides being uh, a technical writer for your games, uh, GMC admin, making your own games on the side, and other tasks that you do related to game dev and your games and game maker what else do you fill your time with cooking photography long walks having coffees in, in the terraces around here um, uh, I, the, the town i live in is absolutely gorgeous um little it's a city but it, it feels like a small town um called salamanca mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh it's in a fairly dry area of Spain, um, but the city itself is lovely. The loads of architecture from hundreds and thousands, hundreds of years ago, um, and it's just lovely. Going out and with my camera, and being able to photograph some of that, and then sit down in a nice sunny terrace and have a coffee and just watch the world go by. Uh, so yeah, I spend a lot of time just walking around the city. To be honest with you, uh, it's it's just so pretty here. Nice. Do you do you publish any of your photography online? No, I no. I, I I did well before I started working at YoYo Games. Um, I was kind of freelancing, doing graphic design and stuff for just local businesses around about here. Um, and I did do artistic photography that I 
published some things. Um, the, the the online Sachi art gallery had um, some stuff I did, some photo montage stuff I did there. But when I started working um, with Yo-Yo Games and getting back into making games again, the, then that whole side is just kind of fell to the wayside. So I take photos for myself, but I don't really do much with them other than just every now and again I'll print one up from a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, I haven't published anything online where people can see it for a long time. I see. I'm yeah. going to get back to it, but it's just uh, it's the free times just not there. Um, to do the, the photo montages, it would just mean I wouldn't be doing uh, my games, basically. Mm. And at the moment, I get more fun, more pleasure out of making games than I do out of doing other things. So I, I take the photos and then store them. You never know when they'll, they'll be useful later. Yeah, we've got the university, but we've got a cathedral, which is like, I don't know, I couldn't, I, I, I'm probably a thousand years old or so, the the, found, the, the foundations of it, um, big, huge Gothic cathedral there. Uh, and then there's loads of, it, it's a sandstone buildings everywhere. Um, the, the old, there was a big university here, um, which is like, they the, the consider it the, the birthplace of the, the Castellano, the, the Spanish language. Um, oh. So that, that building's really impressive as well. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of history in, in the city. And I, this this makes me, you know, think about how little we learn about the history of the rest of the world in the U.S. I, I swear, half of our half of our education is just going over the the 300 years of American history every single year. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, Ian, but like <laughs> probably from grade four to to grade nine it's just those those 300 years on repeat from uh basically columbus arriving skip forward until the american revolution have lewis and clark do their thing which i yeah is tastefully before. edited version of those 300 years <laughs> you know and then and then one year where it was actually world history and it's like it's world history, but even then it was all Western civilization. There's like a couple of weeks where it's like, we're going to cover all of Asia. And it's like, that doesn't, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> but okay. Well, I mean, from, a, from an outsider's point of view, um, I find it funny because I watch like American documentaries, for example. Um, and you'll see them talking about how, how some buildings got this really long history and it was built like 150 years ago <laughs> um, and you, you know you, you may be in London and there's a building from you know a, an old Roman bath or something on the outskirts of London that's 2,000 years old um, and, and you're thinking yeah long history is not how I would describe it but, uh, <laughs> puts things in perspective just a little it's, bit it's quite <laughs> I mean, it's normal. I mean, in, in Europe as well. Um, I, I've got my son; um, he's fifteen, and I see his history classes at school, and he's get he's, his world world history stuff is very European. Doesn't really touch on the Asian history or even North American or South American history. It's very very European focused. Mm-hmm. So I mean, each place, just each country, just gets what they what what they want to to promote. So. But, I mean, it would be nice to, to see more, uh, a bit more of the other cultures, particularly the sort of Chinese and Asian cultures, because they've got just as long a history as Europe has, uh, if not longer in some respects. Mm-hmm. So, 
but yeah, so so Salamanca is, is beautiful. It's it's lovely just um, being around all, all these buildings and being a part of the culture. Uh, it's, it's it's a nice place to live, and it's really it's really calm, and there's not an awful lot of um, problems here. And with the the COVID virus stuff, um, we've seemed to come out the other side now, and everything's a lot more back to normal, thankfully. Oh, that's good. good. Yeah, it was a bit a bit tough at the start of the year because we were in complete lockdown. Uh, mm-hmm. But last couple of months, everything's opened up again, and it doesn't seem to be getting too bad. Touch wood. But uh, yeah, it means I can go out and have my coffee, which is the most important thing. Spain was being hit fairly hard uh, early on in the it, year, wasn't it? It's, it's still being hit, um, but it's very localized now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's all it's like there's a, a village near where I there's our city actually that's been put in quarantine. They've actually closed all the roads to the city, to the town. Sorry, so you can't get in and out with cars um, because like ninety eight percent of the population have been diagnosed as, as positive um, in that one village. Um, so it's all there's there's lots of cases, but they all seem to be very localized in, in specific points. Wow. Yeah, I can't imagine them doing anything like that here. I mean, I, I'm glad that they're taking the necessary measures. Um, yeah. But, wow. It, it's, it was really odd here because when the, the whole thing started, Spain, the Spanish culture, uh, I've been here, what, 20 years now? Um, and it, it took me quite a while because, I, I mean, I'm from Scotland. Um, mm-hmm. And the British culture is, is a bit more standoffish and it's all very much shake the hand and formal. And then you come to Spain and everyone's all giving you big cuddles and kisses and two cheeks and it's all very physical, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you for the first time and they come up and they give you this big hug and big, you know, kisses on all your cheeks and it's just like, what, what, wait, wait, you know. And so when the, the, the virus hit here at the start of the year and the government said, right, everyone in face masks, no touching, no nothing. Everything had to be very formal and two meters distance and all the rest of it. And everyone did it. No one, I mean, literally no one complained. Everyone just went, right, that's fine, okay. And the entire culture changed. Um, wow. And it, 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 it was, it was to me, it was completely, it was really weird because I did not expect it. Because I thought, my God, the, the Spanish, they're, they're all about touchy-feely hugs, kisses. Mm-hmm. And yet, they, they, everyone's, well, not everyone. I mean, over the course of the last maybe six months, we've started getting a few people who are starting to say, oh, this is going too long. We don't want to wear masks anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's not the majority. The majority of the people are still social distancing, still wearing their masks everywhere. Everyone's got their little bottle of alcohol soap in their pockets. And before they go into any shop, they wash their hands, you know. Um, and so it, it was really weird seeing how this culture of, of very tactile, has gone to being very standoffish again, um, fairly smoothly without, without much issue. I mean, it was good to see. Um, and I think that was one of the reasons why we started so badly and then we managed to control it was because everyone did follow these rules. Wow. Yeah, you would, you would expect a lot more pushback um, when it's, it's so fundamental to a culture. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, like I say, it, it, it was really, really interesting to watch. Um, I mean, with the, and also with the, the fact that uh, Spain's already, because of, it's a nice hot climate, and where it's particularly where I am, we only get maybe three or four months of the year of bad weather. Um, mm-hmm. So if in the street, and you know, it's all very social, and um, seeing in March and April thereabouts, which is it's not getting to springtime, people want to get out and about, 
and we couldn't, everyone was in, was in their home. I mean, we were in lockdown for about three months where we could not leave our houses except to go shopping. And even then, we had to have a, if when you went shopping, you had to go straight to the shop, come back again. Um, and that was it. And people did it. It was, it was fine. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was really, really amazing to, to see that, that people change their whole way of life in a question of months and stick to it. Wow. And now you're hopefully coming out on the other side, like you said. Yeah, well, like I said, like it's fine now. Um, we still have to wear our masks. We still got alcohol, mm-hmm. so. Um, but what we've got everything's all the shops that are that are able to open are open now, um, and the the schools are back as well. My son started school last week, so uh, they seem to be doing things fairly well. We'll see. <laughs> a bit worried about that, but well, we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm up in Seattle now, and right. this this is basically ground zero in the U.S. And I finally decided to go outside and explore my area a little bit. Um, you know, go for a walk, see what's what's around, see if there's any nice parks nearby. And I was astonished with how many people are not wearing masks, especially in parks, like just people running around without masks everywhere. It's like this this do you do you all not remember six months ago? Like yeah. oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, and, it, it must be strange. Um I I mean I personally I just don't understand it. Um I, at the end of the day it doesn't do you any harm and it could help lots of other people, so why mm-hmm. not? <laughs> you know, um it's it's fine. It's like a seatbelt in a car. It doesn't do you any harm to wear it, but it could save your life. So yeah, as well, just wear the seatbelt. When we originally reached out to you ages ago about the prospect of having you on the the podcast, and we've we've bounced back and forth. I've been busy. Uh, yeah. Life has just gotten in the way. Indie radio is was on a hiatus for a while. You were working on Skyne, and now you <laughs> have not only released Skyne. You've released Alpha Dog and are working on a new game, Microscope Madness. No, Microscope Madness was released as well um, to oh. absolutely no fear whatsoever. Um, I think I've had three sales in Steam by that. Um, you should update your website. It still says coming soon. Oh, does it? Right, yep. okay. Um, I, have, I must admit, I have, I have neglected my website quite a bit over the last six months. Um, it's just uh, life gets in the way sometimes, as you said. Here it is. Alpha Dog, oh, sorry. Alpha Dog was, was a good release. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of things, not a lot, I mean, a lot for me. A couple hundred people bought it, um, which is great. Skin mm-hmm. was definitely the biggest game I've released, and that had uh, an awful lot of sales, and I still get the odd sale from it now, which is good. Um, but um, Microscope Madness just died a death, which is fair enough. I mean, it was, a, a, it was a quirky little physics game that I made just because I could. Um, I thought it was funny, the idea. Um, so I made it. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't really expect to, to do very well with that. Um, but now I'm working on my my platform game, um, Lab Rat Joni, um, mm. which is a, a riff on the old uh, Spectrum days of Chucky Egg and Jet Set Willy uh, and that type of game. So uh, I'm working hard on that just now, actually. Really pleased with the, the progress I'm making on it. 
it's uh, it's good. Got some nice feedback from people that have been playing it as well. So and next next big game for me. Probably a good six months before it'll get published though. Uh, and then how long have you been working on it this far? Uh, three or four months, probably. Uh, I mean, Skin was uh, two and a half years I was working mm-hmm. on that for, and that was by far the, the biggest game I've worked on. Um, and this one, I reckon I'm going to need a year or so to work on it um, because it's not as profound with the features or the, the actual gameplay. Um, it's just basic. I mean, the game, I could probably... If I really wanted to, I could probably finish it in a couple of months um, because everything's in there. It's just level design I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want, it's a big game with levels. So uh, it's a bit of a departure from what I usually do because I like my procedural generation, but this is all handcrafted levels. Mm-hmm. So I'm having to learn a, a lot about level design, uh, watching lots of videos on different platformer games like Hollow Knight and um and, and shovel night and stuff like this um just to, to see what how how platform games work in general because there's never been a, a genre that i've been that interested in mm-hmm. uh, so uh, yeah it's been this is it's a nice learning experience and i've never made a platformer game before so uh something to i just wanted to make something as a sort of homage to all the games i played when i was younger that's pretty much everything, or sorry, the only thing that I've made. So I'm I'm in the complete opposite boat. I, right. I seem to only make platformers. Do you have screenshots or gifs or anything of it up on your Twitter? Yeah, it'll be on my my Twitter. I can find something for you, sure. Okay. Uh, it's been it's been a couple of weeks since I posted anything. I've had loads of work the last couple of weeks. Um, we're putting out, we're putting together an update on. Game maker, so I've had to do all sorts of documentation for that. Mm. Um, so on top of really this is this is after two point three, yeah. Yeah, we're on to the next one, the two three one update coming out very soon, hopefully. Um, not a lot of new features in that one, mainly bug fixing and stuff like that. Uh, but it's and stability stuff. Um, but it's still there's been a lot of changes to. Lots of little areas all over the place, which I've had to write up. So I'm back. I'm, this weekend, I'm back working on the game again. So I'm just trying to find a gift for you. Something. It's been quite a while since I posted anything, apparently. But yeah, no, this game. Um, I, I I had a ZX Spectrum. That was my my first computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Even after that, I had the, the Commodore 64, I had an Atari ST, then I went on to a PC. So, I mean, I've evolved with it, but my my best memories of games in from when I was younger were always the, the ZX Spectrum games. Um, in particular, games like um, Chucky Egg and, and Jet Set Willy. Uh, so that was why I, I thought, well, you know, I, I fancy making something in that vein. Um, bit modernized but still with the same sort of feel to it so uh and because i've never done a, a platform game i thought well let's let's do it let's just go ahead um and really it was meant to be just a, a little fun prototype for myself just to learn how to make a platform game but um i showed it to a few people and uh everyone was like oh that's really good you know and i've got a friend dan 
um, who I sent him a demo to, you know, as a prototype, just to play around with and let me know how, how the actual controls felt and stuff. And he was like, oh, this plays really well, you should make this into a game. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, that's decided, well, why not? I'm having fun with it. Uh, let's just make it into an actual game then. Is this so, Dan so, of Checkered Ink? No, this is another another Dan, um, a friend of mine from Scotland, who, who I, I met through Game Maker Community, um, oh. funnily enough. And we mean it's mainly uh, uh, we mainly chat online, but um, I actually got to meet him last year. Went out for dinner one night and yeah, had a great chat with him, and he's become a, a really great friend. Uh, which is, it's, it's nice to, to be able to make friends that way. Here we go. Here's that. I've sent you a thank you for part of my level. Ooh. So you can see the, the sort of Spectrum-esque aesthetic to it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, making a platform game was hard. <laughs> I, I didn't realize platformers were quite so tough to do. Um, I'll, be, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, but uh, I got there. The code's probably an absolute nightmare, um, but it works, uh, is the, the important thing. I mean, yeah, the idea behind the game is it's really simple. Um, you're a lab worker, a very lazy one who likes to sleep in the broom closet. And when <laughs> you were asleep in the broom closet one day, there was an explosion, and all your colleagues turned into weird monsters. And so you have to go and collect all the dark matter from the explosion from each room, so that you can they can all turn back to people again. Um, so that and that's it. You just run around lots of levels, lots of different areas, and collect all the dark matter. Uh, and that, that I mean, it's 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 dead simple. So I tried to make the controls and the gameplay a bit more modern, so you could double jumping and. Mm -hmm different mechanics that come in at different times you can fly at one point later in the game and you can swim as well yeah you've got you've got all the platforming what are they called uh, is wall jumping um that was nice. one thing I, I didn't add um i was going to but um oh I you said you felt, don't have it i don't have it no oh no i decided i it was a conscious decision because i while I want to modernize the, the gameplay a little bit, um, I wanted it to remain fairly true to the original spirit of the, 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 the retro games that I'm, I'm basing the idea on. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel that the wall jumping was is a very, very modern thing. The double jump isn't. Um, being able to swim in water isn't. But wall jumping and wall sliding is a fairly modern platform construction. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know that it would add anything to the actual gameplay that I've got at the moment. So uh, I decided to, to not have it. Uh, mm -hmm. And well, I think, it, I think it works okay. Actually, feedback I've had on it so far has been really good, which is uh, nice. We'll see how, how I go on. You seem to have a lot of the common elements of platformers. I, I saw ladders, jump through platforms. <laughs> Uh, lasers, pushable objects, uh, crates, uh, or not crates, um, pressure plates. That's what I was trying to yeah. say. Uh, slopes. You've got slopes. Yes. That oh. was hard. That was tough. <laughs> slopes are always a pain. 
Um, yeah, honestly, God, if you could see see the code, I think my my main movement code's like two thousand lines of code. Um, it's a ridiculous amount of code in there. Um, just to cover, just I, I've tried to make it cover just about every eventuality. Um, so I've got, I can even there's it's not shown in the, the the gif I sent you, but I've got like seesaw platforms that, that you can stand on and they'll move you up and down. Oh um, my goodness. There's all sorts of different things, elements in there in the platforming thing, side of stuff. Um, so, and because you've got these different states and things, I had to make sure that everything was covered so you wouldn't end up just flying through a wall when you shouldn't. So I've probably done it in the most roundabout, obnoxiously horrible way possible, but it works. Um, so That's all that matters yeah. at the end of the day. I was the only thing and nobody else is going to see, ever see the code. So. <laughs> <laughs> So there, there is one, one case that I'm curious about. What happens if you try pushing a, a block down a slope? Right. Um, if I said the levels were structured in such a way that you couldn't. Nice. <laughs> um, it should actually go down the slope, but um, it's a bit ropey, that side of things. So, um, yeah, I tried to structure the level so that you can't do that. Gotcha. Yeah, because... I I was working on slopes in a game once, and as soon as I got to that, I was like, I maybe maybe I don't have slopes, or maybe I don't have crates. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they will go down the slope, but they won't tilt to go down the slope. So they ah. go down the slope and with one corner just touching the slope as it goes down. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it Very looks fun. a bit. Um, it works. You can do it, but it's uh, yeah. No, when I'm designing the levels, I will. I'm making a, a conscious choice not to permit things like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a, a, quite a few things I'm going to watch out and make sure I don't do. Uh, although one thing I did do with the blocks, which I'm quite pleased with, was I've got them to float in water now. So um, there's, there's going to be where you can push them into the water and then they'll float and work as extra platforms. So that took a bit of doing as well. But I'm very pleased with that effect. I will keep my eye out for this. Yeah, it's um, it's again, it's if you, it's the same structure as Jet Set Willy, with the the double N where the double L would be in Willy, and the same leather structure. Again, it's a, a nod and a wink to to the old games. Yeah, Jet Set Willy was before our time. I, I right. know the name, but I've sure, never right. played it, and I'm not sure I've ever seen it. Ah, right. Well, you, you probably wouldn't want to play it these days. Um, it was brutally hard. Um, very pixel-perfect platforming. Mm -hmm. um, but at the, the time when it came out, um, it was uh, quite different. It was very fun. Um, and it was uh, it, because at that time, the, the, the way games were, you brutally hard was just what there was. Everything yeah. was brutally hard. So um, it didn't really matter too much. Uh, you just you just loaded up a game and kept playing until you either beat it or rage quit. Um, I don't think I ever beat the game. I said <laughs> rage quit. Uh, so, so yeah, but I mean, look up videos on it. I mean, it's 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 interesting from the point of view of a, a historical point of view for platform games. 
because it was it certainly created a whole genre on the on the spectrum um and it's it's where a lot of other games came around and developed on the idea from that i mean the, the dizzy series was another classic set of games that built on the whole jet set willy premise um hmm. well Man minor first and then, then jet set willy so i mean it's it's one of these games that it's it's got its place in history but if you played it now you would not think it was a good game <laughs> <laughs> it's too Jumping that. back to the gift that you sent us, I do really like the pixel art and the the way that you're using the colors. Um, it feels very authentic to the time period, while yeah. still looking modern and not not as primitive. I guess uh, is the word that I would use as things looked back then. Yes, um, I mean, I, I'm doing all the art myself. Mm -hmm. um, the games and I'm, I'm not a pixel artist um, by any means mm -hmm. so um, I think that's probably part of the reason why I mean I'm really pleased with how it looks but I think that, that, that one of the, the reasons it is quite similar in style to the old way of doing things is because I am not a pixel artist and because <laughs> it's small I mean they're 8 by 8 blocks um, uh -huh. I'm using for tiles which is really small so you can't get too much detail into them. Mm. Uh, so it, it, it kind of it works in my favor in that respect. Um, so I can get this kind of fairly clean look look to it, um, and I don't need to worry too much about details because in eight by eight you can't really get too many details in. So mm -hmm. um, it's playing to my strengths really. Uh, and then the color scheme, um, I'm trying to keep it to uh, a very limited palette of colors for the the stuff. Mm -hmm. you can turn it off. Um, you can actually play the game in black and white with no color oh. at all. Um, because some people have, have played it and it, they just felt it was too, sorry, too garish. So I added an option in for that. And I'm considering adding in an option as an accessibility option um, to make the player and interactive objects and enemies colored and nothing else. So mm. that people who have any type of visual disability um, they can clearly pick up on the, the, the player who's maybe green, um, interactive objects are all yellow, and then enemies are all going to be red. Um, so that will, I'm, I'm sort of trying to work out how I can do that into the game. Because I, I mean, mm -hmm. I think accessibility in, in any type of game is important. Green and red might be a uh, difficult combo, yeah, that's, though, that's, for, that's, for colorblind that's, that's folk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I need, to, I need to think about how, how to actually approach that. Um, but I do, I mean, I've got accessibility stuff in the controls as well, so you can, you can change the controls, completely configure them. Um, so I'm just thinking about the visual side of things at the moment. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But probably options, lots of options. Choose a color. Uh, <laughs> um, well, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, people are getting more and more conscious about accessibility in games, and it is something that I never used to pay much attention to. But um, I, I do think it is now. I think that the, the, we're in a modern age where there's really no excuse for making a game inaccessible to a large part of the the population, just because you don't want to. There's no, there's no reason not to add in things to help people to play your game. So, mm -hmm. 
trying to approach it with that that idea in mind. Yeah, that's that's a great way to approach it, um, and I'm glad that you are, you know, being yet another developer helping. Uh, promote the idea of adding accessibility options um, yeah. because all games ideally should have them, whether it's, you know, like being able to remap controls or colorblind settings or things as simple as making the text larger uh, so people can actually read it on their 4K TVs. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at you, Spider-Man PS4. Um, <laughs> but There's a few games that would benefit from that one, I think. Yeah, I like from the in the menu. It's like, what what size do you want? Do you want normal or large? And I was like, I suppose I'll do large. And then I started up the game, and I was like, didn't I select large? Why is the text so small? How how small is the text on the normal size? Microscopic. Um, yeah. So uh, someday I'll I'll be able to read small text again. I'm sure. That's just how eyes work, right? They they get better over time. Yeah, no, unfortunately not. Glasses uh, <laughs> and has to get them changed every two years because my eyesight just gets worse. Um, I can assure you, it's not the worst. Sorry. Uh, you could just get some reading glasses for playing games. Yeah. You know. Ah, okay. Yeah, probably. It's funny because that's what I've just I actually got last week. Of, um just put, been down to the optician to get some because I just normally wear ordinary glasses for everything but um, uh, I now need actual proper glasses for working and reading and playing games and then ordinary other glasses for everything else so getting old getting, getting past I, it. Uh, I, have, I have to assume I'm headed that route I mean, both of my parents I think are using reading glasses at this point and I uh, my vision keeps getting worse I have the same problem with text bread does almost Oh, so, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's okay. We can all be blind. <laughs> if we're all blind, is anybody truly <laughs> blind? No be. Wait, no, that's not the <laughs> Looking forward to the day where we can just pop in some bionic eyeballs and... Ah, absolutely. Call it a day. As a, as a, as a, definitely, I'm, I'm very partisan to the, the transhumanist uh, movement. <laughs> Um, if I could get robot eyes and cyborg arms and stuff like that now, I would do it. Wouldn't right. do it twice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, assuming that they're actually okay and they're not going to kill me in some way. Um, mm -hmm. You can still swim and whatnot. As a, as a mature technology, um, I'm all for it. Uh, I do think that human evolution is at an end. Um, and... The, the technology we have is evolving far faster than our physical bodies are able to adapt to it. So uh, transhumanism seems like the only viable way for us to, to go forward is to auto-evolve evolve our own self through, through technology. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. There's, I mean, I've seen there's advances in bionic eyes at the moment. And you've got the, I think it was Sony that announced uh, a contact lens that enables you to zoom in on things and have wow. head up on it and stuff like that. Um, I think it was Sony. Um, so uh, that, that's interesting. And then you've got the, there's the, the Russian guy who's working on making a cyborg so that he can become immortal, which is another interesting project. 
<laughs> or not, I don't know, but um, the, the offshoots from all the technology he's working on are, are really interesting from, for bionics and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I, I upgrade everything if I could. Uh, I want to live in a punk 2077 future. <laughs> I think about this kind of stuff fairly often, uh, especially with uh, our minds, there's going to be a point where our brains just are not able to understand what the output from, I mean, we're already there. Like we, with AI and machine learning, we can't parse yeah. all that data. That's, that's why we have computers do it for us. Um, yeah. Well, that's, that's part. And the other reason is because the computers are much less likely to make a mistake. If they make a mistake, that's either because their hardware broke or we programmed a mistake into them, which means that <laughs> we're still at fault. <laughs> yeah, like at a certain point, robots are, or, or AIs are going to have to make new programs and only AIs are going to be able to understand the code that goes into programs. Yeah. Well, and we're just going to have this complete disconnect. So being able to do transhumanism uh, might give us an edge to be able to still keep up with yeah. With that, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's what they call the the, the, the technology singularity. Um, okay. When the the advances in technology are coming so fast that humanity is not able to keep up with it, um, and I I mean I think we're fast approaching that point. Um, mm -hmm. We've already got uh, microchips that are being designed and created by AIs. Um, so, I mean, it's only a question of time before that goes into other fields, I think. Yeah. Um, and I've seen, like, all the, the, the various technologies related to biology and chemistry and physics are all sort of converging at the moment. So, um, I mean, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm, I am an optimist in general about life and humanity and stuff. So, I, I, I don't have a... I mean, there's loads of things that can go wrong. <laughs> uh, lots of negative stuff. I mean, there's loads of science fiction and films and stuff that are all very Frankenstein in their outlook of technology gone wrong. Um, mm. But if you look at it from a, a more positive point of view, then, I mean, it could be what saves humanity is the, the, the singularity when we get to the point where the technology is so advanced that we can then pay more attention to ourselves and being human mm -hmm. uh, without having to worry about some of the day-to-day the -day drudges of life, like eating and sleeping and stuff like that. Yeah, that would... Wow. I didn't even think of it uh, uh, that far. Um, like, what, what I always uh, think about is the... Uh, us getting to the point where the necessity of jobs no longer becomes a thing. Like we, we have, we have robots, we have AIs that just take care of our jobs for us. They run yeah. our world that way. We, we can live and, you know, do what we want and create art yeah. and create, uh, things, hang out with, uh, family, friends, and just yeah. live. Well, I mean, that, <laughs> that is this whole technological utopia, um, it's 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 quite interesting because uh, I mean there's been a lot quite a few books written on this type of idea. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I think as a race we should be looking towards is just freeing us to do whatever we want to do mm -hmm. uh, without having to worry about just 
having money, having food, having health. Um, and I think that through the technology and the, the advances in all fields of the technology, we could achieve that, not in my lifetime, um, but certainly within 100, maybe 200 years, the way things are, are moving. Uh, and that's not, not getting into the whole subject of the expansion into space and um, colonizing Mars and the asteroids and all the rest of it, which I also think we'll, we'll do eventually. Um, but it's a question of when. For the listeners, uh, do you want to give a little blurb about where people can uh, follow you to keep up to date with what you're working on as well as... Uh, make sure that they don't miss any updates for, I uh, want to make sure I don't mess up the name, Rab, Rab. <laughs> want to make sure I don't mess up the name, immediately messes up the name. Uh, Lab Rat Johnny. Yeah, well, I, I'm Twitter. That's probably the best place. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not really active anywhere else. Uh, I, I participate in lots of Discord chats and Facebook mm -hmm. and stuff like this, but really um, most of the information is on my Twitter, which is um, Nocturne Games. Um, so just at Nocturne Games, and you can find me there. Uh, lots of game dev stuff and the odd bit of political commentary. So if MD's upset by political commentary, probably not best to check it out. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, I generally tweet more about game dev than anything else. So. Fantastic. And of course, I'm sure people can also find you over on the GMC. Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's, that's my main, main hangout these days. I'm not quite as active as I used to be, um, again, because of work and stuff, but I, I do try to help people. Um, I'm not just administrating stuff. I do, do reply to people and try and help as much as I can when I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the GMC is just so ingrained in your in your life that it, it doesn't even come. It, it's yeah, it's just there. It's, it's the first thing I look at in the morning. Um, switch on the computer, check the GMC, and it's probably the last thing I check before I go to bed as well. So uh, yeah, GMC is life. <laughs> it is life. <laughs> I'm a bit sad, I suppose, but anyway, <laughs> not. Nah. I, I think that's that's a it's, a it's a beautiful note to end on. It's been a, a great chat. It's been lovely talking to you both. It's been yeah. great talking with you. Thank you for listening in to episode 92 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is recorded using open broadcaster software and edited with Audacity. You can find more of our shows on your favorite... <clears throat> Thank you for listening in to episode 92 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is recorded using open broadcaster software and edited with Audacity. You can find more of our shows on your favorite podcast services, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Next week, we chat with Oscar Stahlberg, creator of the minimalistic RTS Bad North, as well as Townscaper, a toy in which you design your own towns which slowly come to life. Thank you again for listening, and we hope to see you then.